Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm your host, Stephen G. Gaxiola, and you are listening to The Raider and the Saint. everybody doing today thank you for tuning in to another episode this is episode 30 it's a milestone for me i am still here i am podcasting i'm on a roll and i'm on fire first and foremost i want to thank all my listeners from around the world i don't need to mention your countries you know who you are also want to thank my family friends supporters customers everybody who listens to the podcast and tunes in weekly to hear me rant and interview different types of people. Today's date is May 24th, 2020. I am back at the studio and I have a great guest with me who I will introduce in a brief moment. I am back at the studio, folks. I am back. I got the equipment. It was a great opportunity to interview Jerry Nixon from Arizona. It was his third time on the podcast. And so it was an honor to have him there. It was an honor to kick back and relax and being our environment, how we how we used to be. I wish Jerry good health. I wish him well and on his journey with his mother living with him from now on. So good luck with that, brother. Other than that, it's Memorial Day weekend. I have a special guest with me today that I felt like it, it would be a great opportunity to get this type of person on with with the holiday and kind of relate to what's going on in, in the world and what Memorial Day means to you, stuff like that. So I'm going to introduce my guest today. My guest today is Sammy Barola. He is a friend of mine. He's a mentor. 
He is part of the neighborhood. If you you guys heard me in the, on the previous podcast talk about people from the neighborhood, he's part of the neighborhood. He lives in the neighborhood, and he's he's been a mentor. He's he's helped me through some rough times that that we'll talk about later. But ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, I want to introduce to you Sammy Barola. Sammy Barola, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. We were talking earlier about many things. One of them was archery. How long have you been doing archery for? I started archery way back when I was a small kid. I was shooting my mother's uh, recurve. It uh, was almost as tall as me. <laughs> and uh, I used to go rabbit hunting when I lived in Utah for a brief time. Tell the audience a little bit about where you grew up, what type of environment you grew up, because we... We, we talked a little bit about your grandfather and your dad who were in the military. So talk a little bit about growing up with being in the military family. Um, well, my, my dad was in uh, Vietnam. My grandfather was in World War II. He was uh, in the Navy. My dad was in the Army. Um, my whole family has basically been in the military, um, including some of my female cousins who are still active. Uh, and male cousins as well but uh, I was uh, born in Southern California I'm a California native I'm from Buena Park I was born in Fullerton uh, Bumblebee preschool is uh, right down the street on Commonwealth and and uh, I think a lot of Gilbert. people went there yeah I I that's how long I've been in Buena Park. My dad is uh, mentioned on three of the Buena Park uh, monuments. The one at the uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars there on uh, Valencia. Mm -hmm. Over by Five Points. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look on that uh, Hall of uh, Memory, the plaque out in front, mm -hmm. my dad's name's there. Wow. Uh, if you go to the Eller Center in Buena Park, mm -hmm. my dad's name is there too on the fallen victims, you know, the fallen soldiers from Vietnam. What does Memorial Day mean to you, man? I mean, it means a lot. It means a lot. My whole family, I was raised, at, you know, without a father. I, my, I lost my dad when I was six months old. Wow. He, and how did he pass? He was killed in Vietnam in uh, South uh, Vietnamese uh, territory at Quang Duc. Wow. September 25th, 1968, he was killed. How old was he? He was 21 years old. What made you not want to join the military? I'm, I'm, I'm surprised well, with all I'm, the skills you, you have. I, I'm the last of my name. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. What is it? Is it the younger brother that goes if we get called to war? Or is it the old, the oldest goes? Or well, the way it works is is you can't send the last member of the family line into those kind of territories. Mm -hmm. So, being how I'm the end mm -hmm. of my last name Barola mm -hmm. on my grandfather's side. Mm -hmm. Because my uncle also... And, and is that a law or is that... I, I it, it all happened because of World War II, if you remember right. Um, Tell us a little bit about it. Well, when... During World War II, they had a bunch of brothers. Mm. That's what the Band of Brothers movie was basically about. Yeah. 
What was that? Saving Private Ryan? That Saving Private Ryan thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the Saving Private Ryan was basically about the same thing. That they were pulling that guy out because he was the last of his his brothers had been killed. Mm -hmm. So during World War II, they decided we're not going to do that anymore because we can wipe out family bloodlines. Mm Mm-hmm. So to keep that from happening, they would take that one person. Mm-hmm. Plus, the simple fact is is that my grandmother, who I'm very, very close to, she's like my mother too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been taking care of her for the last 30 years. And my grandfather for the last 10 before he passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he was 92. My grandmother's 92. She was living in Orange until February. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, she moved to go up where my cousins live uh, to Port Hune, California. Mm-hmm. And she sold her house here in, in uh, Orange and moved up there. So I have been, you know, diligently taking care of her. Because I knew that's what my father would want me to do, and my uncle. Because I also lost my uncle, too, in 1975. Wow. That was my grandmother's two children. So basically, I became the third child. To my grandparents, that is. But, um... Isn't it so hard to take care to take care of? I mean, it's it's a burden. It, I, can, I, I, I can say... It takes a care. lot out of you. Yeah. But when you love somebody yeah it's not that hard you know what i'm saying no yeah i, I totally agree yeah so it, 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 it does something to you but if you do it for you know this is i love this person this is what i'm supposed to do you, you kind of get that extra i don't know what it is you get something when you're going through it i don't know if it's wisdom or more a little bit more mind clarity but being able to just because we struggle all day, we we struggle with life. We're struggling with what's going on right now, and on top of it, we got to take care of someone that you know needs help taking care of. And well, it, it's you, it's a labor of love, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't help yourself but to do it. Mm-hmm. I used to go see my grandmother three days a week, mm-hmm. Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday. But because I had so many other things going on, I needed a, at least a day or two to be me. Or to do the things that I needed to do. So when she lost my grandfather, it was too hard on her to be alone. And I didn't want her to be alone. So Mm -hmm. I wanted her to move to a a retirement community so that she could be around people her own age or do the activities. So this is your dad's parents? Yeah. So your grandpa, when did he pass? He served in the military as well, right? Yeah, he was in the Navy during World War II. I think my grandpa was in the Navy too. Yeah, my grandfather was on the USS Benner. The 807 was the number of the ship. I know when uh, when was Japan, they bombed Pearl Harbor. My, my grandpa was stationed in, in Pearl Harbor, and, and his ships, uh, I think, got hit. Um, I know that... He was at sea for I don't know how many days. I got I got to get the numbers on that. But he was lost at sea for the, let's just say multiple days. And wow. even to that day, when my grandpa passed away, he passed away at a young age. I think he passed away in his 
late fifties, maybe if yeah. I'm correct. Uh, don't hold me to it. You know, all my cousins that and nephews and people who listen to the podcast. Uh, but yeah, he I remember my mom saying that it was something he would never talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it changes a man when you're being at, at sea and stranded. I mean, we would try to watch watch documentaries and see what the people are going through and, and they're reenacting and stuff like that. But man, nothing can compare to the real thing of being, I can only imagine. I don't know what I do because I lose my mind when I'm driving my package card and I don't have no podcast on. I'm not on the phone with anybody. You get start get lost in your mind, man. I end up coming home all pissed off. I start ranting and getting mad. Imagine being stranded, you know, on a boat. Did your, did your grandpa save in any, any military time? Um, my you know, grandpa, like wartime, you know? <clears throat> yeah, he was, he was, during the whole thing when they started putting our, our fleet together and they started to go through all the islands all the way till they got to Japan, mm-hmm. my grandfather started at the beginning of that until they signed the surrender. My grandfather basically, one of his, his ship was to protect the, the flat tops, you know, mm-hmm. the aircraft carriers. Mm-hmm. So he was on a super destroyer. It was the supposedly the fastest ship in the fleet. Wow. And that ship stayed in service until 1974 when it was decommissioned after World, after Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So it was even used Was he a gunner? My grandfather was a gunner. He wow. was a he was a baker when there was no combat that mm-hmm. his non-combat station, he was a baker. Mm-hmm. But when it came <clears throat> to wartime he was a bofersman that's the the uh, gun on the side of the ship right mm-hmm. in front of the front right side of the ship mm-hmm. he was uh, what kind of gun was it it's that double barreled uh bofers it, had, it, it gun. had the it had the metal round the big with the big metal cross in the middle you see them put racks of three on a tray oh, and yeah. drop them in what, what kind and of the gun basically one barrel goes forward and re- and recoils into itself, and then the other one fires. You see those? Oh yeah, yeah. Boom, yeah. boom, 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 Holy boom. Holy, what's the caliber on those? I don't even know what the caliber of those things are, but the thing has two big stirrups that go over your shoulders, yeah. and then the big eyepiece, and you just move it around. Yeah, my grandfather shot kamikazes down, man. Yeah. How many did he shoot down? Did he ever tell you? Uh, they were too damn scared to even remember what was going on because his ship almost got hit twice. One flew right over and took part of the railing off of, of his ship from what he told Because I never asked my grandfather about anything. Mm-hmm. For I'm 52 years old. Yeah. Um, I lost him when, he was, when I was 50. Okay, so it's been a couple of years. Yeah, but I never really talked to him about. I knew what he did. Mm-hmm. I knew that he served and that he was, uh, you know, in the Navy. Because I've been going to the Veterans of Foreign Wars. My grandfather lived right next door to it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where my dad, my uncle, because they're all Buena Park natives. Even mm-hmm. my mother <laughs> was from Buena Park. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Daryl Sanders and my. In the neighborhood, the ex uh, Point of Park uh, retired police officer. I think so. Sergeant Sanders. I think I he know used Sergeant to do public uh, service announcements on the TV every once in a while on some of the stations. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So 
I've seen them or, you know. My Uncle Ronald went to Buena Park High School. Mm-hmm. Both of my daughters. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm the only one that didn't go to Buena Park High School because I went mm-hmm. to uh, high school in Utah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, my, my whole family's been in the military. And my grandfather, anyway, he was, uh, you know, went through the whole thing in the islands. And I never asked him about any of that because... Well, my dad was killed in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, both my uncles, who I just lost one, what, six, eight months ago? Mm-hmm. My Uncle Charlie. Well, his older brother, my Uncle Victor, died in the about 78, I think it was. Um, he was a um, army ranger. And he died in battle? No, no, they they fought right after when they attacked uh, Normandy, mm-hmm. and he was dropped in on on an air uh, parachute over the top. Wow! And him and my uncle Charlie both were in the Rangers, and uh, my uncle Charlie never talked about the war, but my uncle Victor he would talk about it freely. I learned not to to ask those things mm-hmm. but I did discuss it with my grandfather at the end because I finally asked him you know what do you do what did you do mm-hmm. what I know you had a war station mm-hmm. what did you do and he told me that's when we discussed it was towards the end people have is it out of respect we don't ask these questions what's it like and I did not want him to have to relive, relive those. any memories yeah. that might be mm-hmm. I didn't want him to you know what I mean? Yeah, you, no, I agree. You, you see how the Vietnam vets were mm-hmm. and how they are about it. Well, just to give you a little background, uh, when they dedicated the, the monument at the Eller Center, mm-hmm. me and my, um, m- my family at the time, my kids and, and wife that I had, um, were all invited by Point of Park to come down and be a part of the dedication ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I had been trying to get a hold of my dad's lieutenant from Vietnam all these years. And Mm -hmm. he had been in contact with my aunt, but he wouldn't talk to me. Mm -hmm. I finally was able to talk to that man after all these years. He was in Vietnam with your pops. He was my dad's best friend over there. Wow. So he must have seen him pass? Uh, they happened to be wounded at the same time and brought to the same field hospital. Oh, man. And he's the one who identified my dad. And he finally got to talk to him at what age? <laughs> I think I was like 48 years old. Wow. After all these years trying to get a hold of him, you know, to talk to him. But he, he's been holding all that pain in mm-hmm. all these years. Yeah. And he couldn't face me. Dude, I, I want to cry right now, dude. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know. Are I, you guys still talking? You guys. I, I I only saw him that one time and talked to him that one time. But we sat down and had little sit down at a restaurant mm-hmm. right around the corner there, um, over where that rocking cafe is. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sat down and talked, and he told me what happened to my dad 
um, basically they were so close. The lieutenant was so close to the guys in my dad's unit mm -hmm. that he wouldn't put them in harm's way if he didn't deem it necessary because my dad was near the Cambodian border. That's where all of the real guerrilla activity was going down. I have some of the transcripts from the radio chatter, more information and stuff, because I basically researched the hell out of Vietnam just so I could have the, the feeling of being closer to what happened to my dad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, man. Do you think, I mean, what do you come of it after doing your research and what happened with your dad? What can you, you know, talk a little bit more about it? After yeah. your research, you, you're free to say whatever you want on this podcast. So, <clears throat> well, see, my dad is a Silver Star Award winner, mm -hmm. he has the Purple Heart, the Vietnam uh, Campaign Medal, the Vietnam. Uh, um, it's a, a special award that's mm -hmm. only given by the v South Vietnamese government. Mm -hmm. And he has a star cluster with that. I have all his, uh, his medals up on my shadow box that I have for him, including the flag he was under. So go, let, let, let's go back. Let's retract a bit. You know, let's talk a little bit because you know a lot about the Vietnam War. A lot of people who listen to this podcast, I guarantee you, doesn't know why we went to Vietnam, why we went to war. So let's it, let's, take, it was, let's go it, back. So why why did we even go to Vietnam? Well, how did the it, war start? It wasn't a war. It was a police action. We were there as security, supposedly. That's what it was listed as. It was never known as the Vietnam War. Oh. It was a police action. That's how it started. And it actually started back with the French, if you do your research. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, they wanted us out of their country because it's their country. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to make it communist. And in the United States wanted to make sure that another part of the country didn't get taken over mm -hmm. to communism. And that's, that's what started the Vietnam conflict, as they call it. How, how many years did it go for? Uh, ten years. Ten years. How many lives it's were the lost? The 10,000-day war, if I remember right. And how many people did we lose? It was a lot, wasn't it? Uh, I have it on my phone. On oh, phone. Yes. Yeah, don't even worry it's, about uh, it. It's some like 35,000 uh, 35, soldiers. Wow. Something like that. I have it. No, number. yeah, no, yeah, don't even, don't even worry about it, man. It's it's okay, man. You want to smoke a little bit more weed and relax? Yeah, I know you're nervous. I'm nervous too, brother. You know, what I mean, it, it's a touchy <clears throat> subject. And I, no, I've it's never... Memorial Day weekend. Well, yeah. that's that's what it means to me. You know, yeah, it is Memorial Day weekend. Mm -hmm. and I know it means and a lot. We to have you. to. Oh, it means everything to me. My, like I said, all my uncles. Mm -hmm. I was raised. So close to my family. I used mm -hmm. to go and see my relatives in, in L.A. every other weekend when I would see my grandparents. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I was, I come from a Puerto Rican family. I had my great-grandmother around, and she would live to be 103. I've been close to my family. My grandmother is one of eight, eight children, 
and my grandfather was more close to my grandmother's side than he was to his own because they were here <clears throat> but uh yeah it's it's it means a lot to me because well in the last couple of years i had to bury them all and it really hurt because my grandfather was like my dad i had my own mother and i had a stepfather eventually mm-hmm. i didn't have a stepdad until i was 16 i was always close to my grandparents mm-hmm. i would see well, them i can day. i can tell you your mom your grandparents raised a, a very strong man who who who's intellectual and and and, and he's got a big heart, man. And I'm so happy you're on the podcast, man. And 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 talking to I'm people, sorry. but no, you're good. Talking to people about this, you know, because Memorial Day for me is giving that thanks to the troops that I feel ain't getting enough thanks. You know, I feel like there's certain is. there's certain issues that are going on today that we're not we're not taking care of the people that that the very ones that fought for our freedom, they fought for democracy. We're they not fought, taking care you know, of. And and that's a subject we could we could we could talk about right now. And you know, I know you know a lot about what's going on behind the scenes and stuff. We're not taking care of the veterans. Every homeless man you meet, I mean, there's this guy I post on my Instagram. A lot of people who look at on my Instagram see there's this guy who plays a guitar at Seven Eleven, right there off of Orange Thorn and Manchester, Auto Center Drive, well, whatever street it is, but it's at the corner right there and. I always post a picture of this man. He looks like he's an army veteran. He's playing the guitar for money. And I always make sure to give him some money. I'll videotape him, post him, and throw him some cash. But we got a lot of homeless that are that are VAs. Yeah. You know, what do you want to, what can you say about that, man? What's your opinion? Well, you got to realize uh, the Vietnam soldier was looked at bad. They were looked at as, you know, baby killers, Um we we were over there killing them and a lot of our people here couldn't understand that that was you know that was a sore subject for people and Mm -hmm. they were pulling guys at 18 years old to go over there and fight the average vietnam soldier that was over there was 18 bro 18 years old can you imagine when you were 18 somebody stuck an m16 in your hand and said here you're going to a foreign land to go take care of some business we want you to do but they don't really want you to do it they didn't give them the tools like our soldiers have now Mm. and say you know what we're just going to unleash everything at the same time and take care of business it was scrimmage war like civil war like it was back then Mm -hmm. where they had the picket lines or if you want to go far back farther where everybody's all lined up and they just blasted each other, it's the same thing. They were allowing little scrimmages here and there and that's it. That's why they brought the helicopter in because it was mobile. They could put a group of guys here or there or extract them, use them as ways to get them back to the field hospitals and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse were, me. You're good. They were learning. I mean, was it just because it's the terrain? They just we didn't have anybody that that was strategic enough to know about, you know, the, they the have, terrain and land. The problem is, is they had underground 
networks, basically. Oh, yeah, coming up from under the ground? Yeah, they could be anywhere. They would set up ambushes. They would do patrols, things like that. That's how my dad got killed. They were on a patrol with a brand-new lieutenant. Didn't know what was going on because they separated his lieutenant to another group. And then he got a new lieutenant. Mm-hmm. Guy had no experience. That's what happened to my dad. He got caught in a fair firefight. The lieutenant got struck. Another person got struck. And my dad went out there. My dad was an M60 gunner, if you know what that is. That's the big gun, right? The big belt-fed yeah. Rambo. Uh, Predator? Yeah, the that's... My dad carried that. That's a 30-pound weapon plus well, what, the what, what was he shooting, 308? What caliber was it? <clears throat> uh, 7.62 is the calibers. 7.62 by 59? Mm, about like that, yeah. There's 7.62 by 39? I'm not sure the exact caliber and there's, there's 50, I think it's 7.62 by 39 and then 7.62 by 59. Those are some big bullets. Mm-hmm. I, I have some at home. I have it's a Mazda gun. That's a 7.62 by 54. I think that's what it is. Yeah. What did I say? Fifty nine. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's seven sixty two by fifty four. I got I got some ammo of that. It's fucking that bullet's huge, dude. Yeah. It's it is heavy. Yeah. I think I had like I have a little clip for like ten rounds, and that thing it, it feels like it's at least a pound. It's, it's not it's close. A half ounce of lead, man. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Each bullet, huh? Yeah. And how many rounds do you think he carried on him? Probably one hundred fifty, two hundred rounds. How much did he weigh? How tall was he? My dad was uh, six one, six two. Wow. But he was a little stockier than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> he must have been a big, strong man, dude. He he was. How many rounds did he carry? You think five hundred? A, a thousand? Think, That's a lot of weight, dude. Yeah. Well, he, like I said, the the gun itself is thirty pounds plus. Fuck, dude. Plus, you got to talk. And they're to, walking all those miles. You got to realize they're carrying like a seventy-pound rucksack on their back. The gun, the ammo. And then guys behind him in his unit, they're going to be carrying a little bit extra ammo because that's their main uh, gun. You know, that's mm-hmm. their main protection. That can lay down more fire than anything else. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, my dad put his gun down and went and pulled one man to safety and brought him back. And while he was resupplying his weapon, he was uh, hit by a mortar uh fragment oh shit and it hit him in the base of the skull and yeah so that's that's what happened to my dad he ended up in a field hospital and uh his lieutenant also had been wounded in another firefight in another area and uh they asked him to identify my dad because he knew his they knew he was from the same unit So he went over and identified him, but did they fly the body back home, or how did that work then? He flew back with the body. Mm-hmm. He flew back with my dad. Basically, that's what they do. They give somebody the. And he met my grandmother and talked to her, but she hadn't seen him since that that time. But yeah, so and he was in. So when you had that lunch with him. You know, was it hard for him? And did, oh, yeah. Was he think he'd been suffering all those years? Yeah. And, and what'd you tell him? I mean, what'd you guys talk I about? I told him it's it's 
It's okay. It's okay. You know, I understood. I understood why he couldn't talk to me. But I was glad and grateful that he finally did. Mm -hmm. Because he gave me a lot of clarity on what happened. I have the official letter. I have the official right there. I could actually give you the picture of it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he he was awarded the Silver Star for his heroic action in rescuing those two guys and bringing them back before he was mortally wounded. Picturing how many of these scenarios, you know, what you're talking about, has happened throughout the war with people going to war and serving and and seeing their best friend. And, and I mean, it's like a movie played out. It no, it's not a movie, man. It's a reality. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, these people don't ever come back, and the people who are left behind is who have to carry the memory of what they did and sacrifice. My dad didn't get drafted. My dad signed up because my grandfather served, and my grandfather kind of, you know, pushed him into it because he told him, you know, that's what real men do. You got to remember. The World War II man is, those are considered the greatest men on our history. They, they fought the whole world at the same time. You got to remember that. We were fighting in, in the, the Solomons all the way to Japan, fighting the Japanese who had attacked us. And then we saved Europe from Hitler's destruction. All at the same time. Do you realize how strong this country is to be able to help the British and to fight our own little war over there in, in, you know, against Japan? And then to turn around and, and take over all those countries back and help those people become free again from Hitler. This country is the greatest place on earth Mm -hmm. to me. That's what Memorial Day means to me. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest generation of men there are. They were the toughest too. I'll tell you that. Oh, fuck yeah. I'll tell you that. My grandfather was a tough man. He was hard to get along with. My grandfather was a house mover after he got out of the war. Mm-hmm. He actually worked at a, a American Bumper Company. He was a punch press operator. Mm-hmm. Used to make bumpers, the big old steel bumpers that they used to have on all the old cars. Mm-hmm. And he was a die setter, so he would make parts like that. He worked for Ream Automotive Division. Um, he would get laid off every year. And he had the opportunity to go into house moving. So how many kids did he have? Two. My, my grand, my dad, mm-hmm. Sammy Barola Jr. Mm-hmm. And then my uncle Ronald. Um, my uncle Ronald was actually supposed to be the owner of my house, um, but he was killed in 1975 in a car accident. So wow. my grandmother. You know, and grandfather lost both their kids. That's why I became the third child. Oh. They treated me like I was their kid. Mm-hmm. It was funnier than hell growing up. 
dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my grandparents were. They seem to be like I see my gra- my parents, how they raised me, yelling and being strict, and and see how they treat my my kids and my, my sister's kids, and it's different now. It, it, it's it's to- I don't want to go into detail, but it's it's crazy to see it. So imagining how they treated you, you you got a little bit of both worlds right a little bit of spoiling maybe a little bit of sternness or talk a little bit about it it was it was hilarious i you know my grandmother would basically take me out and take me shopping Mm. she my grandpa did that yeah so they would both do it Mm -hmm. Uh, you know my grandfather we spent every saturday or sunday one day a week going to the Santa Fe Springs swap meet from the time I was little, bro. Wow. Little. And, you know, he would buy me little things here and there. Um, he would mainly shop for tools. That was his thing. He was a tool man, like Tim the Tool Man Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only he was a house mover, so he had tools for everything, brother. I mean, I I inherited it all, exactly. so yeah, you know, you're, I had to take it home. You're handy with tools. You know, you know a lot. Well, I'm... I'm I'm an RV mechanic for trade. <laughs> Been doing that six years now, but uh, you've done a lot of different trades. I've. You were talking earlier. You said you went out. You're mining for gold. Yeah, I worked for the Tentacle Gold uh, Mine. Man, you've done so much, man. Tell a little bit about today. You know, every everything you've learned, everything you've been, you've inherited. How gratifying is it to be able to go work at an RV place? Especially with everything that's going on, and it, how does that make you feel? It's it's highly stressful. What I do, I am in charge of a program that basically I get two hours to look at the vehicle, figure out what's wrong with it, try and fix it, or order the parts and you know write down the take pictures. All I basically have to write out a report of exactly what I have to do to perform the repair and in verbatim. How much different is it compared to like if you were a mechanic for a regular car? It's the same thing. Same thing? Yeah, you get paid flag hours is what they call it. So basically I have to tell them how much time it's going to take me and this is exactly why, because I have to take this part, that apart to get to this. To, so you have to basically write it out like you're explaining it to somebody mm-hmm. on paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the greatest uh, writer. Writer. Yeah. So the paperwork side of it, I have a problem with a little bit. It, it gets a lot, especially when you're working 10, 15 uh, repair orders at the same time. And keeping track of ordering the parts and when the parts come in or you have to uh, put them on a special order. So all that stuff, it it's a lot to do on top of figure out how to, to repair it. Because see, warranty companies, they don't, uh, they don't pay for diagonal time, figuring out what went wrong. Um, so in a motorhome, it's it's just like your house only it's mobile so everything has to move and give so a lot of parts you know break and move especially when it's you know plumbing and stuff like that so yeah i have to know 
just about everything. I, I do solar. We do uh, uh, 110, 12-volt um, chassis work. Everything, basically, any part that goes wrong with it, including the body. So how's business now because of everything that's going on? Uh, it's it slowed down to a you know a trickle because of the restraints you know we weren't allowed to uh have customers really come in too uh much and um we you know we all had to wear the masks and the gloves at all times and social distancing you weren't supposed to be within six feet of another co-worker so yeah we've had to do by the same rules we uh Get our temperature taken on our forehead every morning when we go to work, just like everybody I'm else. Surprised they haven't done that at UPS yet. Uh, they do it at Costco. They do it at my job. Really? Yep. Wow. Yep. Which you know, I got no problem with it. I got no problem with it. How I, about me wearing a mask? How do you feel about wearing I, a mask? I have. You to have to wear, wear it all day at work. You uh, have to wear one anyways, right? I have no. I I have to wear one because I deal with the public. And when I'm around my coworkers, I do it out of, you know, the rules, you know, we're supposed to cover our face. But if I'm in my own area, you know, in my bay, mm -hmm. working my stuff, because like I said, we, we had 20 guys at my job doing repair. Now you're down to how many now? Uh, we were down to eight of us at my facility. Is that because the economy, there's not there's not people bringing their stuff in? Um, or is yeah, that they because had, of social distancing? They had to furlough them people. A guy that has a lot more years than me got furloughed. I was one of the lucky ones that because I know so much mm -hmm. and I know how to do things so well that, you know, because I've only been in the trade six years. So, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying... You know, because I've learned so many things. I also was a building superintendent right down here on Broadway. I took care of that building for three years. You've done so many jobs, dude. We could be here all day talking about all the jobs you've done. You're a skilled man, dude. Uh, what's that movie that I've seen? Uh, uh, Neil, no, Leo Neeson. Uh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson, yeah, from Taken. He goes, I don't know who you are. But I have a, a special set of skills, and these skills—that's what you remind me of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm like my, like I was saying before with my grandfather. My grandfather was a house mover. Mm -hmm. We're not the Damn. the guy who goes in and moves the furniture around. I'm talking the guy who moves the house from one point A to point B, buildings, um, yachts, uh, oil derricks the you know the little seahorse sawhorse kind of pumps they would move those from platform to platform they would move the towers where they drill out to sea my grandfather's been on every one of those platforms out there mm -hmm. um i used to go to work with him man from the time i was probably five years old i appreciate you because you 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 know a lot of things you you uh, as far as like if I have a question about a car or, or a house or anything you always have a, a quick fix or what can you do what type of tool I'm, I'm saying all this I'm, I'm, I'm patting you on the back because my next question 
is has been leading up to this. You are a, a, a real American. You understand simple things. And ever since this shit happened, mm-hmm. the COVID and all that, I, I've asked people to tell me what you think. What is your opinion of what the hell are we going through right now as Americans? And I, I want to hear your opinion. You know, I've heard I've had plenty of guests that talk have their opinion, and you, I, I, I've set you up obviously for the podcast. I wanted people to know who you are, what you're about, where you come from, what type of skills you hone, and we could have gone hours and hours of, of you. I wanted to get a brief moment, you know, of getting just a little. We're basically scratching the surface of the type of person you are. I wanted my audience to know that you're a genuine person. There's no agenda here. You're my friend. I'm your friend. What the fuck is going on, man? Um, like you all, I'm, I'm just here doing what I'm supposed to do every day. You know, I'm on the front lines. I, I go in these places that they're motorhomes. People are living in them nowadays. People can't afford, you know, our California prices of homes, prices of uh, the actual renting of an apartment. Mm-hmm. Hell, you got to have three, four grand just to move into an apartment here. You know, and who's you, making that type of money? It's d- these companies who own these properties, property management companies. And a lot of them are China based, right? I'm not even sure where they're based. I think a lot of a lot of them are coming from China. You know, my grandparents' house, where my dad and my un- uncle grew up, mm-hmm. was right there on Los Robles and Eighth. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know where that single house is in between the two apartments right there, right across from that little church? Right there by the... Uh, on Beach Boulevard, right? No, right there off in Valencia. Okay, Valencia. If you were going towards Stanton. Okay. So Where the... V, where the where the veterans... Yeah, the veterans thing is. Yeah. That apartment right there in the front. Across from it? That's right next door to it. Okay, okay. Okay. So then you have the single house and then you have another apartment that goes all the way to the, the fence of that, uh, veterans of foreign wars. Mm -hmm. Okay. My grandparents owned that whole corner. That's where their house was. And they had another house on the side. That's where I grew up. Mm -hmm. But in 19, I think 82, they bought the house in orange and they sold that property. My grandmother couldn't live with being in the memories of where her boys grew up. Mm. It, it meant it was too hard on her. You know, mm-hmm. she lost both her kids at 21. Both my dad and my uncle never made it past 21. Her kids. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, my grandfather, my uncle, Ronald was killed this weekend back in 1975 on his way to the river to go meet my other cousin. Oh, in the car accident. Yeah. Wow. So this is a, it's man, I I didn't didn't even know. I didn't even know. Like I said, you came to my mind. I I asked you a couple weeks ago what was going on because I, I always reach out to people that I look up to people that are I respect their opinion because I know where their head is you say give me a couple of weeks and I, and I pushed it a bit and I said you know I'm gonna hold off you know he's a good friend I know he will come on 
But yesterday when I texted you, I go, you know what? It's Memorial Weekend. I know a little bit about, you know, who, your, your dad and your grandpa, now your uncle. So, you know, I'm glad you're here, man. It's a very special podcast, you know, for you to come. And this platform is, is doing something great, man. And you being here and being able to open up and tell people what Memorial Day means to you, man, makes me excited. And I'm living on, dude. I want to, I want people to know what really memorial day means because we see it on tv all these fucking sales and and what's going on but what really is memorial? what they're gonna play saving private Orion 20 times but being able to have a real podcast with, with someone whose memorial day is everything right like fourth of july or something like that. well as you know you know I, <clears throat> excuse me i have tattoos Mm-hmm. I carry Memorial Day with me every day of my life. On my shoulder, I have my dad's unit and his what do you soldier's got, cross. What do you do? Do you do anything special for Memorial or you, you barbecue, you know, or for many years, visit? I would go up to where my father's buried in L.A. Okay. And I would put flowers down. And I would sit there, and that's where I spent <clears throat> my whole childhood. Mm. We, whenever we went to L.A. to go see my aunts and uncles and my grandmother, my great-grandmother, um, they all lived in Sunland, Tahunga area. And my father's buried out that direction. He's out there by the 14 mm. um, at Glenhaven Memorial Park. We would always go to Glenhaven and... and leave flowers and wash my dad's stone off and Mm. it's always been in the family you know but memorial we always went to go put flowers and pay respects to my uncle and my dad who served and put flags out my grandfather you know he's been in part of the the veterans of foreign wars he has a gold member life member card um he was also in um the Borg Queen post um and every year that's what they did they went out i mean you're talking a, a man who was in his 80s going out and putting flags down for all the soldiers in in the uh cemeteries around and that's what they did man so, so, so we got kind of sidetracked off right there. We were talking about what's going on with inflation, the COVID. What's your opinion on it? Do you is there some? I mean, I know there's something nasty going around out here, but man, people are suffering. Who knows what to believe? I mean, nothing is really cut and clear. They don't even know how to stop this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're hoping that, you know, the social distancing and the washing of the hands and everything. But you got to remember this, this thing that we're fighting here is smaller than, uh, than any filter that we can wear mm-hmm. is going to protect us. from. Yeah. Yeah. The whole wearing the mask thing is, is disgusting. I mean, I, I received a video and, and I, I watched it. It was a nurse. I mean, I've seen plenty of videos. And one of the things she talks about it is breathing with these masks. You're breathe, you, you, you know, your your nose has a filter, and everybody knows when you breathe in, you breathe out your toxins. 
Same shit. Like if you're pissing or shitting, you 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 eat something for energy to, to survive, and you, you discrete the the toxins. Same thing with breathing. And now they got us wearing masks all day long, breathing your your nasty air. I look at. I used to have anxiety attacks. I used mm-hmm. to have sleep apnea because I used to do a lot of cocaine and and be up all night and doing a bunch of bullshit. I'd wake up because I'd stop breathing. And I would have anxiety attacks. And from what I learned is from breathe, uh, breathing with a brown paper bag is going to help me. Because what happened is when I had an anxiety attack, I'm breathing in too much oxygen at, at a time. So I need to even it out. So I got to get a brown paper bag and breathe in, breathe some out. And I'm getting, I get some CO2 back to balance it. I learned that, you know, obviously from, you know, doing bad things. But... I, when I got the mask on, it's the same shit. I go, look at, I'm breathing in my toxins. Like, what the fuck is going on? Well, I, I know from myself, I have to work around the public because sometimes when we sell them, sometimes when we sell them, they don't have enough guys to walk these people through. Because when you buy a motorhome, you've got to show them how to work the thing. Mm. So when I deal with the customers there, you know, we're, we're both wearing masks. The customer's wearing a mask. I'm wearing a mask. I'm wearing pla- uh, the rubber gloves. Because you could you could have it, right? They're saying that you could be asymptomatic. Yeah. So you might you might have it. You just don't show the symptoms. Sure. And then some other people, they might full-blown system. Uh, well, they might have it and then be full-blown and have the symptoms. Fever, all this and that. Every day. Why when, is that different? Well, see, every day when I go to work, I punch in. There's sanitizer right there next to the keyboard mm-hmm. so you can cl- sanitize your hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. We open the doors with our elbows just like you would in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And then we have to go and do our parts department and have our temporal scan done to see if we have a temperature. Well, who's going to come in with the temperature? So do, do people would, like if I have a fever, I'm not going. But if you supposedly with this thing, you may have symptoms of it. And not know you're sick. But if they're measuring your temperature every day, you're going to know if something's wrong. If somebody's temperature goes up, there's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just trying to keep keep each other safe. So when we're around our coworkers, we wear masks. I do it out of respect. Yeah, me too. You uh, know, me too. If I go to the corner store and go pick up a soda, I, I, I have on, my yeah. mask with me. No, no, you're right on because I'm the same way. I, uh, I got I'm i not wearing a mask all day. You yeah. know what I mean? I know that we don't know what's going on. It's fine. And I'll, and I'll walk in because I work at UPS. I'm a UPS driver. So I have a certain mask. I'll show you. I'll send you a picture. I didn't bring it. But yeah. it's got the cross with the American flag with the cross. And then at the bottom, it says faith. And I wear that with all my customers that I deal with. If I go into a business, I put it on, give them their package, and I leave. Same thing with my in, in the neighborhoods. You know, a nice area in, in Tustin. I, I know a lot of – all the customers are really nice and, and hardworking Americans. And I'll come in to them, and if they're outside and the kids are outside playing, I put my mask Because you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know if they're really scared. Like some people tell me, just leave it right there in the middle of the sun or leave it right there on the sidewalk. Or I'm walking up to the door and people are slamming the windows. It's weird. You know, that's why I'm asking. It's weird times and I'm, and I'm, I just want to be honorable, right? The, I want to yeah. be honorable. Well, see, the, the thing is, is we all have to do what we have to do to protect ourselves and to protect each other from getting sick. 
you know, we, this, this is a, a virus. It, the only way to stop it is to kill it with cleanliness, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you wash your hands all the time, I wear surgical gloves at work because I have to touch surfaces that people live in. People stay in. Mm-hmm. Who knows who, doing, yeah. who knows how many people have been inside somebody's motorhome. If you could, you know, our buddy Terry. Imagine if you put a little camera from the second he bought that thing till now, how many people have been in it, mm-hmm. and how many times, mm-hmm. you know. So we we have Lysol. I spray Lysol before I get into touching anybody's motorhome. Because, you know, we got to go under the bed because sometimes the water tanks are under there or we got to get in every portion of this thing. And so you got to protect yourself. So, you know, I wear the gloves. I do. I wear glasses anyway now because mm-hmm. I'm an old man. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you got to protect your eyes. and Yeah, because my parents, my parents, they're, my mom's just turned 60 today. Today's her birthday. I got I to... Gotta gathering to go to after this and uh, they're really they're growing up we never experienced anything like this in the past they, they have measles they have chicken pox and, and they have these diseases that are no longer around they're still around but they're not a big threat they're not a big because threat. we have something for that yeah see this thing nobody has any clear-cut direction Influenza. or information the information is so widely, let's just say, a big gamut of bullshit. Nobody knows what to believe or what is actually true. Yeah. And that's the problem. And the problem is is because, I think it is, because the media that we watch as people on TV, uh-huh. if you watch the news, uh-huh. it's only bad. Yeah. And they never show any of the good. You know, out of all these people that have died and, and gotten sick from COVID, mm-hmm. how many stories do they run of that this person recovered and this is what they had to go through? I haven't seen one. Have you? Uh, I don't watch a lot I, of news I know, anymore. I don't either. Uh, I think it's funny because you'll get you'll get someone that says, I was in the hospital with COVID. I was on a respirator and I was in there for 46 days or 47 days. And someone said, well, good luck with that fucking hospital bill. How much do you think that's going to cost? I mean, the medical industry, they cost an arm and a leg, dude, if you get sick. Unless you have uh, health insurance, you don't. You're getting screwed. Trust me, I know. I just had surgery last year for uh, a tear in my rotator cuff at work. And I, I had to go through therapy, have surgery, MRIs physical therapy before and after and i have all the paperwork from that mm-hmm. injury and you, you gotta see how much money it cost <laughs> i mean really six, six, i mean you're talking almost a hundred thousand dollars easy and thank god i have future medical on top of that so when i do have to have their shoulder replaced that's gonna be paid for too but yeah but because i have workman compensation insurance mm-hmm through work and that's i know they're getting paid if if on a debt okay for example my dad's sister husband just passed away 
mm-hmm. and his name was Joe. Rest in peace, Joe. And recently, last couple of days, and yeah, I think it was something with the heart. Just you know, it was old in the eighties. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they put as the term, the the type of death, because I I heard that if you get in a car accident, whatever, if they put COVID on the death certificate. The hospital gets paid more money. You know, it helps with the medical bills. That's the problem, man. And, and, and I've heard multiple shadiness. stories about it. Well, even besides that, what pissed me off the most was that I want to go to the funeral. Yeah. The guy died alone. No one was allowed in the room yeah. because they were concerned about he, he probably got the COVID on, on top of having this, you know, heart disease or heart yeah. failure. And what pissed me off the most is that he died alone. No one was in the hospital holding his hand. And maybe he wanted somebody in there, dude. To, to, to die alone has got to be a horrible feeling. Well, number one, they you know they should give the family protective equipment, number one. And the room the man should be in is... Even the funerals, though, is 10 people. Yeah. They're saying the funeral is only going to allow 10 people now because of social distancing. So people are dying and, and, and not getting the proper burials, dude. Yeah. That one upset me, dude. I, I I shed a tear because of that. I was like, I I knew him growing up, you know. I, I was a little kid. I remember being at the house. I can still yeah. picture it in my in my head uh, of them and not be able to go to the funeral because of social distance. It's it's I don't know, man. It's just it just seems too fishy to me of, of what's going on in the world. And that's my opinion. And you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. I said it before. I hope I'm wrong. I hope because look at either they're gonna it's this is gonna disappear. It's just it was just a, a test, or they're gonna come out and, and and say hey we got the cure for the COVID. Everyone needs to take it now because we had to go through all this and it, it's just this is too much that like I I've talked to a lot of people. I'm not taking no fucking influenza shot, dude. Oh, especially no. if it's from uh, Bill Gates and all this shit. Look at I'm doing my history my research too. And I and I have an opinion, and guess what? I ain't taking no fucking flu shot, dude. I I'm, I I'm not either. I never take a flu shot. I haven't taken a Me flu either. shot and in I rarely my get life. sick. If I get sick, it's a couple days. I feel a little groggy because you got you got to understand. You're talking to someone that was withdrawing every other weekend from fucking opiates, from fucking from pills. It's, you get flu-like symptoms. You feel like shit. You want to kill yourself. You want to put the gun in your mouth and pull the goddamn trigger. I know how it feels to feel fucking sick. And when I get a little sniffles, I get a little aching pains, I relax, I stay home, I recover, but I, I take my vitamin D, my vitamin C, my B complex. I got a whole fucking tonal human optimization multivitamin kit I'm taking because I know what it takes to, to have a, a good, healthy body. And when I see these these people on TV talking, Dr. Fauci, fuck you too, talking about the COVID, won't you tell people how to stay healthy? Won't you tell people about their diets? Give a basic conversation about taking your vitamins and vitamin D. If you go down the rabbit hole, you'll realize that guy's the fucking Mr. Dr. Evil, dude. It just pisses me off of what's going on. It's hard to get people in the studio, people that I talk to, because no one knows what's going on. Me and you, we, we, we hung out. We don't have masks on. We shook hands. We're not scared of a fucking of a COVID. You know what I mean? This, this is ridiculous. We're, we're getting out of control from what my perspective. Well... I, you know, I even had social distancing for my girlfriend because she lives in L.A. County and she was terrified. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Dude. So, 
you know, it, it, it put a little strain on our relationship. We're trying to work through it. Mm-hmm. But I've been with this woman three years, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we got social distance too. She didn't want to leave because her her mayor, he basically said, Newsom? hey, don't, no, That's the Garcetti. Garcetti and Newsom, yeah. So, you know, he said, don't leave the, the county, you know, and this and that. So she listened to him and I'm telling her, look, I know I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Hell, she works at Costco. People, there is something going around. People do get it. Sure. I, I know, and people are dying from it. Sure. But you have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got to kill it with cleanliness. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as you know that you're okay and you get your temperature taken every day and you're text, taking it yourself, you know that you're getting can sick you, or not. Can you have a temperature and not know it though? Yeah. I guess I don't. I'm asking because I don't know. Because you don't really know when you're sick I, until after you feel it. Yeah, but if you're if you got a if you got a fever, if I have a fever, I know I'm sick, so I'm not going to work. Sure, by the time it's elevated high enough to let you know it, but your body's going to sweat. So I could probably be at like 99, 100 degrees and not know it. Hello, until mm-hmm. you go home and go, damn, I I just don't feel right and. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, I guess I do. I have a temperature. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it, it's gradually, gradually going up. You got to remember, your body is a hell of a machine. And it, is it bad? You're, this, is, this is from what I've researched, and, I, and I'm asking you. When you separate human beings and you push them aside and you separate them, does that lower their immune system or does that because for me I touch doorknobs all day. My hands sure. are black. I yeah. don't wear gloves. Because I sweat. I, I know I have a good immune system, like a good floor. So I use my hands. I obviously I try not to touch my face, nose, and that. But when I go into office, I'll wear a mask. But my hands are black. Mm-hmm. I'll go get lunch, hand sanitizer, clean it, wash hands, and I'll eat a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been doing this since this happened. Yeah. Okay. You've been doing that your whole doing life. Doing all life. <laughs> I've, been, I've built an immune system, right? So you think separating people and, and he was secluded in the house, no vitamin D from the sun, not coming to interaction. Because we're constantly fighting. Our body's constantly fighting viruses people don't understand. Sure. Look it up. We're constantly fighting bacteria and all that. Well, before so separating the, is, is that making us weaker? Uh, I, I, you know, I think mentally, yeah, it has a strain on everybody. You know, um, because we need people to interact with for us to feel right, to let the emotions that the human body, go, the, the human person goes through. You've got to have friendships and, and coworkers and people that you have conflict with, people you get along with. Without that, how horrible would this world be if you were alone? I know what it's like. I mean, when I got my divorce, I, I, I lived alone for, what, two and a half, three years before I started dating. Mm-hmm. So it was working home alone. And when you're home alone, you, uh, you have nothing but your own time to spend in your own mind. And yeah. in your own mind, it's a very dangerous place, mm-hmm. especially if you the more experience you've had in your life. If you had a, an easy, you know, golden life, then there's probably not that much problem for you. Mm-hmm. 
But if you're like the average person who goes through any kind of hardship or they've had a really hard life, there's a lot more demons in the closet. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to live with your demons. I heard from previous podcasts and, and research, obviously, that, that I looked up. They were saying a sheriff, L.A. Sheriff, was saying, I don't know who his name was, but he said we would do a, a suicide call one every week. And he said, now we're doing five a day. Mm-hmm. And that was a month ago. People, um, you know, unfortunately, not everybody has the same fortitude. Uh, I, I compl- contemplated that one time myself, you know. But that was after, you know, kind of a emo- really emotional thing. But this thing that's happening to us right now, it's it's mostly media-based, sir. <laughs> straight straight out um, there's so much inform- information and misinformation who knows what's real and right mm. um, like the wearing the mask it's not really protecting us from anything because the particulates that you're going to be infected with are far smaller than the filter can actually get rid of yeah, we could go in details about that too yeah. easily you know what? Well, let's take a quick pee break real quick, and we're going to close up shop when we come back. We'll be right back, folks. I'll see you in a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are live. May 24th, 2020, downtown Santa Ana, the studio. Now, we got a couple minutes left, and we're going to do a, a closing. Let's get it going. So, Sammy, I always tell my guests, I always give them this question lately. And the question is, when it comes to social media, with everything that's been going on, even before this, the social media distanced us as individuals and being in society. Like we talked about, we need people around us. Does it separate us or does it bring us closer? Um, I, I talk with m- more of my cousins uh, because of kind of like the COVID thing. So we send information back and forth because, you know, the m- let's just say this. Fear is the absence of knowledge. Okay. Y- you're afraid of something that you don't understand or know about. But once you know about that thing, it's not really that scary anymore. You know, that's that's that with guns, with archery, with hunting you know if you don't know what you're doing and you go and do it there's going to be a lot of danger to it you know Mm -hmm. and us not knowing exactly the real true information is what's hurting us all social distancing but within that you know you got to understand the reason why we're doing these precautions wearing the masks washing our hands uh wearing surgical gloves i hate wearing gloves man my hands sweat to death Mm -hmm. Um, but we have to do them, you know, to protect ourselves from catching this thing and spreading it even further. And the only way that's going to happen is social distancing, a little bit of social distancing. You know, I'm not saying don't see your relatives or don't have anything to do with your relatives. Just make sure your relatives aren't feeling bad and aren't sick before you go and 
interact with them and by all means wash your own damn hands make the kids wash their hands every five minutes if you have to mm-hmm. hell children i had two daughters you know my kids have grown up and had kids now you uh-huh. know that uh-huh. and you know with the grandkids and everything else you know kids want to touch things so that's that's how we built up immunities like you were talking about it before you know M- myself too you know, the five-second rule of dropping shit on the floor. That's uh-huh. the way things used to be, you know. And, you know, we, we had different vaccinations than what they give the kids now. And and who knows what these, these pharmaceutical companies and research companies come up with as far as uh, virus control or, or bacteria control, you know. They're made of so many things of that, you know, it's like meth. One part of any of the things that comprise of making it will kill you. But it's amazing that the concoction doesn't just kill you instantly, you know. Mm-hmm. But these things are all man-made, including this virus, I believe. And... There's a lot of bad people that are in charge of everything. The media, the the making of these drugs. You know, America uses more drugs than any other place in the world. Um, pharmaceutical drugs, I'm talking. Talking about those pharmaceutical drugs. One thing that made me grateful for you, grateful for you becoming my friend and me learning from you, is the way you, you help people. And... I was saving this towards the end to tell you that me going through my addiction with pills and everybody knows on this podcast what I went through. You were the first one to introduce me to massages. Yes. And I remember telling you, dude, I'm withdrawing from pills. And you said, you need a massage. You need to get the toxins out of you. You need to get those muscles, all the toxins out of your muscles, deep tissue massage. And you introduced me to the foot massage. Even this day, I still go to that same place. I've taken my mother-in-law over there. Um, I've gotten massages on the route, the foot massage. I see it. I know, you know, because I don't want to go to the wrong one where I get a happy ending and not a real massage. I want a real massage because I know the benefits. You were, the, you were the one who introduced me to that. And until this day, I tell people, go get a deep tissue massage. Go get your feet worked on. Because all that is connected to your, your body, your soul, your mind. And you yeah. introduced me to that. So I wanted to tell you, thank you so much for that, man. Yeah. Thank you for opening my – that's the type of person that I have around my, my circle of friends, folks. This is the type of person I have that, that cares – and, and, and it's heartwarming and it just wants the best for America. It wants the best for the, for the world. And I wanted people to know that, that he was the first one to show me about massage and the benefits because he saw what I was going through and he didn't judge me. He said, you know what, man, we're going to help you. We're going to get you going. And, we're gonna, and he did his part to help me out. And that's why you're on this podcast today. That's why you're sitting there in the seat because you're, you're someone that inspired me. Cause once I got clean, I said, I got to give back and you're constantly giving back. We're talking about your taking care of your grandparents and, and talking about what you've been through and, and the broad spectrum that we're talking about right here is we don't got to go down the rabbit hole like i've been doing the podcast and i'm just i'm just so happy you're here man i just want to thank you once again tell the people how they can get a hold of you um it's my name at uh, gmail.com or um i'm on instagram uh you can find me there 
under my name. Sammy uh, Barola. Spell it for me. Barola. Barola. Yeah, it's uh, S-A-M-M-Y and then B-U-R-R-O-L-A, just like it sounds. Yeah, he's around, folks. If you got questions about fixing a car, you want to you want to you want to move a house or you, you need to know certain types of tools or you just you just wanted someone to you know for advice or whatever, give him give him a hit up. Give him a, give him, hit him up on IG or, or Facebook and it's been there for me, he'd be he'd be there for you guys. Once again, I want to thank all my listeners from around the world tuning in. It is Memorial weekend. I got my mom's birthday party to go to. So I am signing out. I will be back soon next week with another podcast. Once again, I want to thank all you guys for tuning in. I love you guys. Have a safe Memorial weekend. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you.